Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. Welcome today to Southside Church. My name's Jeff Williams. I'm the lead pastor here, and I'm grateful to you for being a part of this day with us, spending time with us, letting us open up the Bible with you and share with you God's good news uh, because you are special to us. You matter to us, and this is why we do this. This is why we sit here and and record for an online setting, and uh, this is important to us. I like doing it this way. I like being able to look into the camera, and hopefully you know that, that I am speaking to you and uh, looking right to you and hoping that in some way God's Word will uh, bring life to you, bring hope to you, bring peace to you, bring joy to you, and, uh, and you can experience Christ in a very real way. That's our mission here. We want to build real followers of Jesus, and we want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here in Northeast Georgia. So if you're looking for a, a church home in our area, come and join us. Come and join us at one of our two locations at our Redstone Campus, our Commerce campus, and uh, that's at 915 and 11. You can find us at southside.online. Love for you to come. Introduce yourself. Say, I've been watching online. Just wanted to come check it out. So today, we're walking through a series that we're calling The Blessed Life. It's a journey through the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It's Jesus's uh, first publicly recorded sermon in Scripture. It's found in the Gospel of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. And what we're looking at is the introduction of the message because there are nine statements that he makes about blessing, about how to be truly blessed in life. I think people want to know that. I think they want to know how to, how to get to heaven. I, want to, I think they want to know how to live a good life, how to live a blessed life, how to be happy and, and peaceful and joyful. Well, I believe I would, go to, I would tell you every time, go to the Bible. Go to God. Go to a relationship with Jesus Christ, to the creator who formed you, to the savior who died for you, and to the Holy Spirit who wants to live in you. And so when I get that kind of relationship from the creator, I believe he knows best for me. And so life is painful, life hurts, but when life hurts, Jesus heals. And so we've made this statement every week during this series, and I think it's important to say that God's way of living always contradicts the world's way. It's just the truth. God's way of living always contradicts the world's way of living. It's completely contrary to the other. And so God wants you to walk his way, and his way literally is the best way. And so this is how the Sermon on the Mount begins. It says in Matthew chapter 5, when he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying these things. He said that the poor in spirit, those who are morally bankrupt, who are spiritually bankrupt and separated from God, who realize that, acknowledge that, trust Christ as their Savior. Those who acknowledge that and have Christ living in their life now are blessed, and they get to experience a taste of the kingdom of heaven. He says, those who mourn are blessed, for they will be comforted. And when he speaks of mourning here, he's not really talking about loss as in the the, the world in which we live. He's talking about mourning over the sin, the things that separate us from God, that pull us away from God, that break fellowship with God, or that that, that hurt and, and distract us, pull us away from the Lord. 
And so he says here, he's just a continuation of the first one. We want to first settle the main thing. The main thing is our relationship with God that can be rectified and restored and reconciled through Jesus Christ, redeemed, rescued. And so then it leads us to a a place where we mourn over the things that are still in our life that break God's heart. He then says that the gentle are blessed for they will inherit the earth. Gentleness does not mean weakness. Gentleness means discipline, controlled living. It means power kept in control. Whenever you are out of control in some area of your life, be it food, be it sin, be it something, whatever it may be, anger, whatever it looks like, if you're out of control in that area, God's not in it because God's always in control. He said, and and these people are the ones who inherit the earth. The gentle, those who are disciplined and in control, those are the ones that that succeed, that, that go far. And then he says, these three things lead to this. These three things build a hunger and thirst for righteousness. And that's a blessing because those people are the ones that are truly satisfied and filled. Righteousness is a big church word, a big Bible word that simply means this, to be made right with God and to do right according to God. And so those are the first four Beatitudes. He then says the merciful are blessed for they will be shown mercy. That's a conduit for God's mercy and grace rather than a cul-de-sac. We want that to flow from God through you to other people. And then he says this, the pure in heart are blessed for they will see God. That's where we're going to land the plane today. That's where we're going to set up shop for a minute. And we're going to talk about those that are pure in heart. Because Jesus said they're blessed, for they will get to see God. It's a powerful statement. Not because here, Jesus is not just teaching purity of life. Jesus is teaching purity of heart. Because see, a lot of times in the church world, we view purity as something uh, in the past. We look at maybe in a, in a teenage setting, we talk about them being pure until marriage. We talk about virginity. We talk about those kind of things. We'll, we'll paint a picture of purity as though it is something that you have and you're in danger of losing. But here in this place, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. This is not something that you have. It's something that you need. It's something that needs to be attained and then pursued in life. Because those that are pure in heart, they get to see God. And so today when we talk about that, it's important, I think, to know about salvation in the New Testament. Because when you come to know Christ as your Savior, three things happen. You're justified, sanctified, and glorified. Okay, let's move on. No, you're justified, sanctified, and glorified. What do those words mean? Well, justified can can be described like this. It's just as if I never sinned. See, when you come to know Christ as your Savior, you've been saved from the penalty of your sin, okay? You've also been sanctified, set apart. And, and, and then it means you are being saved from, the, from not just the penalty of sin in our life, but we're being saved on a daily basis from the power of sin because we've got to continually strive over that in our sinful nature. And finally, you'll be glorified one day when you go to heaven, and that's where you'll be saved from the presence of sin. 
And so that's salvation in a nutshell. I want to come to know Christ first because it's just as if I never sinned. He saved me from the penalty of my sin. I want to come to know Christ and trust him every day of my life because that's sanctification. That's setting me apart from the power of sin. And then finally, one day we get to go to heaven and we'll be glorified, which is, is saved from the very presence of sin in a perfect place. But when we get to, but, but so how do we do that? How do we do that? If we're talking about blessed are the pure in heart for they will get to see God. Yes, when you trust Christ as your savior, one day you will get to see God, okay? But, but much like the one where you get at the very beginning, blessed are the poor in spirit for they, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To get a taste of the, of the kingdom of heaven today, to get a, a, a glimpse, a picture of God in our life. Does this mean that I'm gonna get to see God face to face one day? But today in the world in which we live, this is about experiencing God and seeing his work in and through your life. And so here's the question. How are we able to look at life with all of its corruption and decay and remain uncontaminated? Or maybe a better way to put it is, how are we able to look at life with all of its corruption and decay and remain pure? because that's something we want to pursue. And so today, I wanna talk to you about the pursuit of purity. The pursuit of purity. Five things today, we'll jump right in, we'll look at five different passages of scripture, and I believe each one of these lead us to experience what Jesus is saying here, that the poor, I mean the, the pure in heart are blessed, for they will get to see God. Number one, believe. The pursuit of purity, believe, it is the basis of everything. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son as yours to be your savior so that if you would just believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Believe, Jesus said. First Thessalonians chapter five, Paul said, now may the God of peace, boy, that's a great phrase, the God of peace, People long for peace today. People take medication for peace today. People desire to have peace in their life. And God offers it in abundance. And Paul said, now may the God of peace himself sanctify you. There's that word, sanctify. It means to be set apart. Remember, at salvation, you're saved from the penalty of your sin. You're also saved one day from the presence of sin. But today, we are alive, living, breathing, and God wants us to be saved from the power of sin. That is to sanctify you. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you somewhat, no, completely, completely, and may your spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is writing this as an encouragement to the church. He's saying, listen, I want you, I want you to be sanctified completely for God so that he can use you to make a difference in this world for him because he who calls you is faithful and he will also do it. See, when you and I feel that our temptations are too strong, and our failures are too many. Our wounds are too deep and our progress is too slow. You ever felt that way? I have. When my temptations are too strong, my failures are too many, my wounds are too deep, and my progress is too slow. Look at the risen Savior who is able to cleanse you and put your trust in him. 
See, we wanna go to all these other places, pursue life through all of these other things, people, places, money, things. We think that's where peace and freedom can be found. When in reality, it comes through the belief that Jesus Christ is who he said he is and he will do what he said he will do. The pursuit of purity always begins with belief. Number two, don't just believe, confess. We could say confess, we could say pray, we could say ask. We could say all of those things, but I wanted to use the word confess because confession leads to purity. Confession is simply acknowledging that you're wrong and God is right. Confession is acknowledging that I didn't do this well. I messed up and I know that what I did was wrong. I am confessing that to the only one who can forgive me of the penalty of sin, the power of sin, and the presence of sin in my life. And so this is what we see in 1 John. It's at the end of the New Testament. It's 1 John in the very first chapter. And he wrote, but if we walk in the light, not stand in the light, not just uh, look at the light, but if we walk in it. Walking signifies action, progress, movement. Purity, the purity of God, the pure in heart is not something that you, you attain and you just keep and, and that's it. No, purity of heart is something that you can grab hold of, something that you can put in your life, but it is also something to be pursued on a daily continual basis. If we walk in the light as he, Jesus himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all of our sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us. This is a continual thing. This is not just something that happened one time. This is something that happens over and over and over again because we're walking. We're walking, experiencing these things, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. He says, if we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But, he says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous, in other words, he can be counted on to do what is right according to his word to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. What does that mean? It simply means this. The more you grow in purity, the more you will see God. Because the more I live confessing, the more I live acknowledging the sin that is present in my life, the more I get to experience the peace and the presence of God in my life, the power of God in my life. And so I get to experience that, I get to see that, and so I wanna know what sins need to be hunted down in your life and mine in order to help me grow in purity. I've got to be intentional about the pursuit of a clean and undivided heart. See, purity is not something behind you that was lost. It's something ahead of you that needs to be pursued and grabbed hold of. And so the more you grow in purity, the more you get to see God. And so the pursuit of purity is about believing. It's about confessing. It's about reading and listening. These are the steps. This is what it takes. This is as practical and applicable as I can get it. Do you want peace in your life? Do you want to see stress, worry, anxiety, fear, doubt erode away? 
Do you wanna see joy and, and, and true happiness, completeness enter your life? Do you wanna be able to be at ease and at rest and, and to have purpose and passion? Then I would tell you to pursue purity. Purity as seen from the lens and the, 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 the picture of God's word. And so if we're gonna pursue purity, we've gotta believe, we've gotta confess, we've got to read and listen. You may read, but do you listen? And, and, and so this is what we see in Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God, the writer of Hebrews said, is living and effective. This book is alive. It's alive. Oh yeah, well, if it's alive, put it down and watch it get up and do that. I, I can't do that. But I know this, I know there's life in this book. I know there's life in this book. I know I can open up the pages of this book and this book speaks into the situations and issues of my life in very present and real time. And that's because the word of God, because Jesus in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God. And the word was made flesh and it came and took up its dwelling among us full of grace and truth. What is that speaking of? It's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ. The word of God is living and effective. And it's sharp, sharper than any double-edged sword. And the word of God penetrates as far as the separation of soul and spirit. This goes deeper than just physical makeup. This is separating, penetrating soul and spirit, joints and marrow. But it's also not able just to penetrate, it's also able to judge the ideas and thoughts of the heart. And so it not only does it cut, it also heals. And so this is the practicing of, of immer this is the practice of immersing yourself in the Bible. When people make little or no progress in life or in their faith, I've often found that there's very little points of interest, entrance and places for the word of God in their life. Do you read the Bible? And if you read it, do you listen to it? Because a lot of people don't. In reality, most people don't. If people come up to me at church and they want to talk about an issue or a problem, I will ask them, one, do you know Christ as your Savior? Number two, do you read the Bible? And more times than not, this is the answer I get. Well, not like I should. And so my response to that is, so you mean no. <laughs> you know, just be honest and say, no, I don't. But, but, but it's not a place to, to slap you, scold you, hurt you, discipline you. It's a place to just go, it's okay. Let's start here today. Start here in this place. Why? Why? Because we want, we want to feed ourselves on the word of God. Peter said that in 1 Peter chapter 2. He said, like newborn babies, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you may grow by it. Paul said it in his writings. He said, oh, I wish that I could give you meat, but you can't handle it yet. So I'm gonna start with the milk of God's word because you wanna grow and grow up in that so you can handle deeper and bigger things. But you see, feeding is more than reading. Feeding on God's word is just, is more than reading. It's more than just sitting and listening to it. And you ought to take your Bible, if you're gonna watch this on a weekly basis, take your Bible, open it up, mark the places that we're reading and we're giving you. 
Go to the Southside website. Go to our Southside Church app. Find the, the notes for today and go back and read, read over those because feeding is more than reading. So read, reflect, apply, believe, thank, confess, and commit to what God says because it's the pursuit of purity. Believe, confess, read, and listen. Worship. 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 Do you, mean, do you mean just like go sit in the church and sing? Well, that's, that could be it. What about worshiping in your house? What about worshiping alone? What about worshiping in your car? What about taking a walk and worshiping God? It, it doesn't just mean singing. It could mean praying. It could be meditation, reflection. It could be a lot of things. Worship is what gets us into a bad place because we are idolatrous and sinful at our nature. And, and we worship things. We worship things. Man, I get it. We live in the South this football season. Guess what? We worship. We worship football. We, we, we love it when it comes. We hate it when it's over. We just go crazy during this time of year. You know why? It's idolatry. This is what it is. And I'm as big of a fan as they get. And it, 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 but if it takes the place of God in my life, it is idolatrous in its nature. And so we worship to get into a situation, we gotta worship to get out. And so if you wanna know how do I get clean, how do I get free, well, you worship to get into it, why don't you worship to get out of it? Colossians 3.16, let the message about Christ, the Messiah, dwell richly among you. Let it teach you, let it admonish you in all wisdom, Sing, sing psalms, sing hymns, sing spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to God. It's worship. See, I would tell you, don't be passive in your worship, always spectating. No, be a participant and live as a worshiper of God. Be a participant. Let the word about Christ, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it teach and admonish you, strengthen you in wisdom. Sing, make music to the Lord with grace in your heart. Sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Make, make, make God a, a visible, everyday, powerful reality in your life. You worship to get into the problem. You got to worship to get out. You want to pursue purity? Because I promise you, if you pursue purity of heart, Jesus said you will see God. You will see God at salvation. It'll be a powerful moment. You realize you've been forgiven of your, the penalty of your sin. You'll see God one day in glorified state body because you'll go to heaven. Praise God for that. That's awesome. That's awesome because I'll be separate. I'll finally be removed from the presence of sin. But this is an everyday thing where I walk with God, I believe, I confess, I read, I listen, I worship so I can experience the power of God over my sin. And finally, persevere. Believe, confess, read, listen, worship, and persevere. Perseverance, don't give up. Even when you fall, even when you fail, even when you mess up, 
Don't give up. Titus 2. For the grace of God has appeared with salvation for all people. The grace of God has appeared for all, has appeared with salvation for all people. And it teaches us, instructs us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts. That's the part of a Christian life. The word of God instructs me to deny godlessness and worldly lust. This is what he's saying. He's saying, say no to the things that separate us from God and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in this present age. So if we say no to this, it's in order to say yes to this. If God ever tells you no about a situation, it's because he's got a better yes. And so I wanna say no to the wrong things so that I can say yes to the right things. I'll say it this way. This is not a short fight. It's a battle. It's a marathon. And perseverance is the key to success. And every time you say yes to sin, you increase its power over your life. But every time you say no to sin and temptation, you make it weaker and you make your faith stronger. And so he says this, while we wait for the blessed hope and the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm waiting, I'm looking, I'm anticipating. So when temptation comes, what do I say? Say it out loud. Remember, screenshot it. Screenshot this right here. Screenshot it. Take a picture of it. Go to it when you're tempted, when you're struggling, and say, that's not who I am. Out loud, verbally, I am a child of God, and by his grace, I will press on. You see, purity of heart does not lie in what we attain. Purity of heart lies in what we pursue. Today, this is what we see. Jesus is the one who purifies messed up human hearts and minds. And he's the only one that can do it. I don't know what part of this resonates with you and speaks to you. I'll ask you, are you pursuing purity? first century monks found themselves in a place where we would call them monasteries and they would put themselves there in isolation and they would do that because they wanted to attain true purity the problem was they couldn't do it they couldn't do it Sin entered there too. Sin was involved in that too. It was difficult for them and bad things happened. But it's because they carried it in with them. See, that's what we do. We carry our sin with us. If we're going to pursue purity and we want to see God, one, we got to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior and ask him to forgive us from the penalty of our sin. Confess. Confess every time we do it to stay in a right relationship with God so that he helps us 
succeed over the power of sin. You gotta read and listen and worship and persevere so that one day we'll see the face of God when we're totally removed from the presence of sin. And Jesus is the only one that can do it. Today, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, can I introduce him to you? Can I take you to that step of belief? Would you pray this with me if that's you? Simply pray, confess this with your mouth, believe it in your heart. Say, Father God, I I believe in you. And I believe that you sent your son to be my Savior. Say to Jesus, 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 I'm asking you today to forgive me for my sin by your grace. Make me right with you. Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life because I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you and I say yes to you today. Amen. Listen, if you prayed that with me today, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for that. And trust that God did that in somebody's life today. If that's you, let us know in the comment section today. Send us a note. Go to southside.online. Let us know. Comment to us. Let us know that you made that decision. Come and visit us at one of our campuses. And let us help you continue to grow in the pursuit of purity. I hope to see you next week. And I pray that you have a pure and powerful and peaceful week. See you soon. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with them. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.